My name's Ian Austin, and this is Friday Night Shudder. And today, we are going to be focusing on the third part of my VHS retrospective. And this, of course, means that I'll be watching VHS Viral. Like last week, we're going to do things a little differently in terms of general nature. First two weeks, I did long reviews as part of the weekly ones. I'm trying to move in doing shorter weekly reviews... And then once a month doing like a bottle episode. Because I feel like then I can put across this sort of wrestling perspective of you're working your way up to the big episodes. Or in this case, not so big because, you know, I don't know what next one is. Actually, that's a lie. I have an idea, but I need to confirm it. So hopefully we'll be building up to that. Originally, bottle episodes can be VHS viral. But then I found out that was on the actual... Uh, Shudder, and I'm trying to keep um the bottle episodes. I'm trying to do is like kind of bonus episodes, but the, like the like say the big episodes, the big huge show stealing long review episodes, like long. And, you know, none of those ones will be below an hour because I'm thinking movies on Shudder are below an hour, but they're gonna be big. And I've got the announcement of what one I'll be doing next. It just dawned me I've changed some things around. But I will let you guys know in next week's episode what the next battle episode will be. I will kind of want to see what reactions to the first one first. So this week we're going to be focusing on VHS Viral. And that's coming up right after this. Because remember, life is beautiful. So as with all VHS movies we open with the framing device in this case this is called chapter zero cloverfield with an ice cream truck part one so we open on a couple they're having happy times they seem like sweet kids just no doing weed having the sets you know enjoying life and it's first thing i noticed about this movie is they seem to have hired cinematographer because there's actually lighting in this and in some ways that's good but in other ways it's bad because this is the hollywoodization of vhs and i don't watch vhs movies for hollywoodization even if i own them i don't watch it for that and i'm starting worrying that they're taking viral thing literally and i don't like that so i'm a bit nervous also find that they're using old John Hughes dialogue. Like they used the line, if you mess with the ball, you get horns. And look, that's a great bit of dialogue. Breakfast Club, no solid team movie. But it was made over 30 years ago. Come on, guys. Like, we can't go down that well anymore. You need to move on. It's like Brian Bendis with the Ultimate Spider-Man comics. It's great and it's good, but eventually you need to move the fuck on and stop referencing movies that came out 30 years ago. I'm just saying. And also, like, if you're going to reference them, you know, maybe don't make your movie feel like a Zero Zero's movie, because this feels really shiny and pristine, and that's not VHS, which should feel scummy and horrible. Anyway, we quickly realise that we can't have people in VHS land, so the couple start having problems, arguing and things like that, and the argument is caused by, you've guessed it, a grandparent on grandson violence? Because the... I don't even know Garrett's name, it doesn't matter. He comes in, and he's got a bust lip, and he's furious. He's like, why are you recording me, bro? No, no record! 
So then it cuts as VHS frequently does. There's lots of cuts in these movies. To a chase sequence on TV that they keep saying is awesome. But it looks really slow. And looks like they're going through St. Round St. Street over and over again. The two characters argue after argue regarding clip going viral and I don't think they understand what viral is because if it's on the news it's already gone national possibly international so it going viral is like it might get a few more hits but it's not like it's going to spring up and become a cult phenomenon because it's already a mainstream happening it might go viral off that but also at the same time it's currently airing and it's national news so it's already pretty well known so it's not going to spring up and gain more followers than it already has so our male character keeping in VHS law doesn't want to discuss with his partner what's going on or why he's cut he wants to record some fucking he wants to record some fucking footage on his camera so he runs outside or where he thinks he's outside but he runs in on his naked grandma. And immediately, I think, hang on, like two minutes ago, you guys were telling us that she was abusing him. And now he runs in on her and he doesn't seem bothered about it. It's not really logical. Did anyone rewrite this script? And then I think, did anyone write the script? This is very just. Probably didn't even have a script to start off with. So now we get a new twist on VHS formula. We get possession by ice cream jingle, death by ice cream truck, and it starts dawning on me, this isn't really going to be a framing vice like the other ones because they're not watching videos. They're making video. So it's going to be connective in terms of we're going to follow this story at various points throughout the movie, but at the same time, it's not going to be connective because... This isn't really leading into each scene. So, yeah, that's a strange way to start VHS. And I'm concerned because this looks like a proper movie. And that's not what I want from VHS. But maybe the next sequence will be a bit better. So chapter one is called Fantasia, but with a serial killer. Essentially, this is a nice return to the clearly found footage nature of VHS, or at least in theory. Essentially, it's a different take on this one, because this deals with magic and demonic entities and vague possession and, like, sacrifice. Essentially, it revolves around a character named Dante Great, who's a trailer park magician who make good. He has a demon cloak that gives him superpowers as long as he sacrifices living creatures to it. Essentially, it's pointing out to us that this is Houdini's cloak, and then we get some old school found footage, really old school. It ties back something I always wanted to see. I wanted them to go back further in terms of paranormal activity, like as far back as they could, and do like old school, um, the old school Phantom of the Opera style movies in black and white, no music, no no sound dialogue wise, but lots of music and really sort of like theatrical things. I want them to go back that far. They never did, but then we get a little teaser here of what it looked like, and it looks awesome. Uh, Houdini stuff is my favourite part of this entire section. But the start really is quite quick. They're racing through plot points. We're getting very a lot of establishment very quickly. They're not lingering here. And I'm starting to get a little bit concerned because this entire movie is only an hour and 21. And I agree that a lot of segments in the other movies should have gone quicker. But at the same time, 
go by too quick and they don't have the effect. You've got to strike that perfect balance. Like that Colt one from last movie had the perfect length. You know, about 20 minutes. And this is going way too fast for me. We've seen that they're shooting a kind of documentary about Dante Gray. And we, as a couple who come out one of these shows in New York, and say they went to the show in New York, they walked outside and they're in Los Angeles. And they say, this was slightly confusing at first, but we got over it. You wouldn't get over that. People would question that. That's not, like, that's actual. Magic is craft and work and illusions. It's basically creating the illusion that something is real when it's actually a clever trick. You would not just shrug off while waking up or finding yourself in a different county, you know? Sorry, that's my cooker for my food. Hey, turn that off. Yeah, you would not just shrug off being in different counting in different state. And also, the thing I notice is the gore counts drop a lot. And I'm starting to realise I don't think this is really VHS anymore. This is becoming DVD. Going back to what I said earlier about cinematography, this looks really nice and smart and sleek. That's not VHS. And the lack of gore, like even when Cloak, because Dante's using Cloak to sacrifice people, even when he uses Cloak to murder people, like he tricks one of his miss, he tricks his missus who's having shower into using Cloak as a towel. She puts up a bit of a fight, but then just uses it and then she gets eaten. And he also tricks another future misses into getting eaten. They just had the sets. And then he throws the cloak on her and then she's dead too. But there's no gore, there's not really any violence, so what the fuck? And then I looked this is fifteen and I think they sold out, boys. They sold out. Moving swiftly on, Dante's new assistant named Scarlet because she has red hair and an abusive boyfriend named Clay. Hmm. Yeah, I think Naming someone off the hair type only works if you show that sort of personality, and she doesn't really have personality at all. So, the next thing that bugs me is Dante is recording murders on VHS, and I think that's really shameless. I feel like look, this doesn't look like it's recorded on VHS. I'll go into that later on, but if you're not gonna do that, him recording on VHS just seems like for matter of fatness, like, the amount of work he'd have to do to convert, I'm assuming he's using digital camera to convert that into a VHS tape, it's completely at odds with how he's presented, like, he's a magician, wants to show things off, but it just doesn't feel right, you know, it feels very slimly connected to VHS, at least in the other movies, they were watching VHS tapes and things like that, and it's plausible they were being called on VHS, this doesn't seem like it. At any rate, then we get the moment where this movie starts getting really awesome and really bad at the same time because the fucking SWAT team go to bring Dante in and he fucks them up on camera, no less. This is crazy. Genuinely great views of in-camera effects and CGI. Unfortunately, this is the moment where it hits me that this is not really going to be much like VHS or VHS 2. Because, A, this is loosely horror at best. A lot of horrifying stuff is going on. But this is superhero carnage or comic book carnage. It's not really horror. 
and while it's exceptionally constructed, it's crabbed in terms of genre and tonally death because it sees in and out being plausible as recorded footage and at the same time, it does not feel like VHS. It feels like this movie got a bit more money and they want it to stretch their legs and cra- cashing on Super Craze, which is admirable, but at the same time, that's not the movie we saw in the first two. They were clearly horror movies. This does not feel like a horror movie at all. So we get final battle between Scarlet and Dante that proves my point because essentially this is Heroes Season 1 finale, Peter Petrelli versus Scylla but with a budget and that's not what you would expect to see in VHS and I remember first time I saw this movie I was not impressed by it. I watched it a lot of times since and I enjoy it on its own merits and I think this particular action sequence is fantastically constructed, very very cleverly done. But it's the wrong genre. Yeah, it's like you you praise them for what they've done, but at the same time you're like you haven't really followed genre properly. And if this was a standalone movie, you say that's fine, you're making your own rules, but it's part of a franchise and you have to stick to rough gist of it, and this isn't. That said, the ending no well, climax of this where Scarlet sacrificed Dante to the cloak using creative use of magic is perfection and at the same time would be a great ending to the entire 3HS franchise because we've seen countless times the female characters in these movies have been abused, exploited, manipulated, coerced and basically everything under the sun. They've been victims almost the entire time. Even ones who weren't were portrayed as evil. You're a victim or you're evil and this she's not. No, she's doing the right thing. She's trying to save everyone. You know, she's trying to destroy Cloak and kill Dante. And she's basically the hero of this. Like, I think she's done a good thing when she burns Cloak. I want clap. I'm like, if you put that at the end of this movie, it would be a perfect ending franchise. But unfortunately, it's not the ending franchise. It's not even the end of this story. Because she gets sacrificed. She burns the Cloak, but then Cloak comes back and it demon hands pop out and then it murders her I here's the thing it's weird because I really enjoyed this segment and I will always maintain this is possibly one I enjoy most out of all of them but it's out of context in context it doesn't work it's not a good idea totally doesn't mesh with what they're trying to do but so I'd say on that merits on its own merits, I'd give it a strong B+, but on merits of thing in this franchise, it really doesn't. And it's such a shame because they've hit their high, but they've hit their high in the wrong category. And I can't really praise that in terms of the overall construct of the movie, which sucks. And we're back to Clothefield with an ice cream truck part two. Or back to a white Bronco, even. I mean an ice cream truck. It's not Bronco, it's an ice cream truck. There's no illusions OJ Simpson here, I assure you. Anyway, Dubro tries to call Ames while recording while he's on bike. He's not very smart. I think we've established this. Ames answers. She's talking proper bollocks. Screaming, talking gibberish about... VHS getting a fourth movie, which is not going to happen, which was never going to happen. Crazy. That's why it wasn't called VHS 3, because they're like, we need to just finish this. 
shit needs to go viral, but it can't go viral because it's not very good. So she's talking prop bollocks, and then a bunch of assholes run to a bridge to watch the ice cream truck, and it's definitely an ice cream truck, it's not a white Bronco. They want to see this shit go viral, while a guy in the background is ODing on viral videos. He's bleeding from the nose, doesn't seem to know what's going on. We've all been there, we've all watched a cat video or two, and thought, hey, this is high life. So this guy on top of the bridge is trying to get a better shot and he climbs really high up and he says, see you on YouTube, bitches, which <laughs> is hilarious. It's hilarious, isn't it? But he's an arsehole, so whatever. And where he slips and dies, as you do, and F1 looking over the bridge goes, oh, no, 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 and record it. They want that to go viral too. I don't think they've got clear policy on what exactly they're trying to make go viral, but there you go. The ice cream truck is going around in circles, but we discover when Dubro runs into a bunch of other viral mutineers. And it goes around in circles, and it hits one of the viral mutineers, and he gets pulled along in the car, and it seems like it's been grabbed by something, maybe a hand, maybe a demonic hand, you know, continuity. So it's pulling this car along, and his friends try to save him, but his shoes fall off, and his legs get torn to shreds. And I know what you're thinking, Ian, there's finally some gore. There is gore. It's blurry. You can't really make out. And they'll blame that on camera. But you can't make out. So it doesn't count. It's like 15 gore. Which is nothing. So. Then his friend reaches out. And then falls off his bike. And cracks his head open on ground. And he dies instantly. Despite the fact that he's wearing crash helmet. Blood everywhere. And so. Dude bro. Who's our main character by default I guess. Dubro gets a call from Ames again and starts freaking out because it goes cuts away very quickly. And then he walks up to the camera and walks up to it, walks up to it, walks up to it, looks very confused. And then we cut. And that's the end of chapter zero, close filled with an ice cream truck part two. Now on chapter two, the earth with the penis monsters. <laughs> So so we open up this this is oh, I love this segment it's so weird. Open up with an inventor named Alfonso hiding an invention from his hungry horny wife Marta. <laughs> he, he, he's created a shit stargate. <laughs> his invention looks fucking terrible. It's it's like the worst stargate you can possibly think of. It just looks like shit. Just screamed at TV, state of your fucking invention, mate. He he calls it the third configuration. So this is the third attempt. He's had to make one of these pieces of shit. And this is the best he's done. His, his doppelganger, Alfonso too watches him. They're both nervous, aware of the paradox rule. Until they realise that this isn't time travel related and they geek out. But then one of the Earths is 10, 15 minutes ahead of ours. It's 4, 4.06 in one Earth and 4.10 in, 4.10 in the other. And they think it's 15 minutes ahead. It's not. But anyway, fuck it. They're arranged to meet in 15 minutes. After they have a long conversation about their lives being the same, aren't they? And all I can think of is guys, guys, guys. Oh, you... you Penis monsters, the penis monsters. You need to talk ballast. <laughs> so, uh, next thing to think of is how they combine footage because it's from two different Earths, and as you'll see when this ends, they're not in the same Earth anymore. So, they arranged me in fifteen minutes. I time stamped 
Hang on a sec. I timestamped this. And it's not 15 minutes later. Because <laughs> uh, next segment starts at 45 minutes. And that one's end started at 41 minutes. So that's on 14. It's on 15, so that's good. But it's not 15 minutes. So I call them liars. It seems at first quite similar to Cronenberg dealing with the science and the supernatural you know in a very matter of fact way but it doesn't last because you know Cronenberg is an insanely good director and this is the second sequel to VHS <laughs> so I see on wall Nazi sets cult imagery and immediately I think back to my favorite Halloween movie Halloween 6 not best one but my favorite with the Nazi sets cult and I also think back to something which hasn't gone up yet, the first bottle episode on City of Living Dead, which hasn't gone up yet, but by the time this goes up, we've gone up, which also has hints of Nazi sets cult for witches, but that doesn't go anywhere. But in this one, it does go somewhere, so I'm happy. So Alfonso from Earth, from our Earth, is taken to a room where a wicker man snuff movie is playing on loop and a hex bad drips with blood onto the floor while two dude bros and his wife want a Nazi sex orgy. <laughs> also, there's a, a Zeppelin in background. You just have to think, my life has improved exponentially since I started doing this because now I get to explain people um, about thing, movies like this. With a Wicker Man snuff movie playing while hits bad drips with blood, while two dude bros and some guy's wife want a waiting for him to engage them in a Nazi sex orgy. Where is do you find stuff like this other than Shudder? I'm just going to say, you won't. Now, the other Alfonso is trying to try and get frisky with Marta's first, Marta, first Alfonso's wife, Marta. And, <laughs> right, so. Okay, this guy has a sentient, jagged penis that has fans and eyes and looks like a fish. I, it's, it's the greatest bit foreshadowing for my teeth review I've ever seen. And I'm, oh, I'm jaw drop. This, I love, this is so weird and it's so much fun. And it just gets me thinking, if you remember my VHS review... I talk about the doctor who is dealing with the woman, is misses of Skype and she's pregnant and he cuts her open and takes all the aliens out. I have to believe that this particular Earth was created by Doc Manhattan. That big, dirty blue bastard made this reality to deal with his creepy, creepy fetishes. It, it just fits. Or you can call this the Alfonso of Two Universes theory. Alfonso of Two Earths theory. So, our Alfonso runs outside and he sees a Nazi Zeppelin, which, of course, you know, you know, if you go into Earth-X, that's where Nazis live. Earth-X is, of course, the DC comic universe where the Nazis won the Second World War and they sung Nazi reign. So, in that universe, Superman's Nazi. And it's kind of strange because he is, but he's still a very relatable character. And you're like, but he's a Nazi. 
you want more information on that read final crisis but final crisis by grant morrison it's amazing so i'm stuck watching this and the dude bros expose their penises and i'm watching this and i'm thinking i don't understand the logistics of these penises because for lack of better description there's not really any way to put them like they're wearing shorts but you can't like this, I guess maybe it disappears inside them when they're not using it. But my personal theory is that it's a they, <laughs> these sentient uh, Nazi penis monsters disappear into a pocket dimension when they're not being used. It's kind of like the Green Lanterns in DC Comics. They have their rings are powered by lanterns, which the Green Lanterns place in a pocket universe until they need them. So, like when the Dude Bros need to have sets or rape or whatever, they call up on the pocket universe and the penis monsters come out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, uh, saying that, like, the Nazi Earth vaginas aren't much better, they're, like, the skin opens, like, the jagged t- shards, and what they do is, like, it's lips open and the insides like teeth so it's kind of like oh no it's just interesting like creepy and it's very much like what teeth were shown for they had budget but not i don't know like they it doesn't seem like they're quite as sentient as the penis monsters but what can you do you know sexism rules so alfonso one Alfonso 1 and Alfonso 2 run into each other. Alfonso 2 is covered in blood, which leads Alfonso 1 to ask, what do you do to Marta? And immediately, I thought for the Batman vs Superman joke, why did you say that name? But now I think it's sad, because I don't like Batman vs Superman, but I wish we lived in the earth where that movie is better. What can you do? So... Alfonso 2 stabs Alfonso 1 and runs through the shit shit Stargate to Marta 2, who proceeds to use her sentient vagina, must stomach, tail, whatever, to, like, crush his head, exercising her right to murder her husband because he's domestically abused her. So then Alfonso 2, one who's been stabbed in the leg, shuts the shit gate and he's panicking. At this point, it hasn't been 15 minutes. He's panicking and then his wife, he calls for Marta, one, who comes in and she's covered in blood and she's got butcher's knife and she stabs him death and stabs him so much it carries over to the next scene. And again, like, I, I think this one is a bit more problematic because of the... um. Uh, weirdness of it and also I'm not sure what point it's trying to make but again it's one where the female characters prevail Um, for, I mean obviously horrible things happen to them and it's not pleasant but they you know manage to get revenge I guess Uh, which is interesting it's two for two it's not like VHS so I, I I like that one. I think it's good. I think it's strange. And I think it probably could have used some trimming. 
Well, not even trip some. It's that elongation, make it a bit longer. Because a lot of the myth, like I don't want mythology to explain, but we're thrown into this weird place, and that's it. Like, I I know it's meant to symbolize Alphonse is uh, Alfonso's going into place unknown what's to expect, but it's under fifteen minutes, and I think you they could have added a little bit more and had a sort of real time fact where it's fifteen minutes for both of them, then they meet up. Just to allow a few more minutes, about 30 seconds, just a little bit of explanation, you know? But I enjoyed that. I thought that one's good. And I thought it's very strange. And hey, when you can talk about Nazi sets, Cole, and you can talk about sentient penis monsters, and you can relate it in DC Comets and Lanterns, which power the Green Lantern Rings, I think any time you can do that, second works. So there you go. And we're back to Clothfield with an ice cream truck, part three. Start off with the Bronco, I mean ice cream truck, definitely an ice cream truck, not a white Bronco, no illusions OJ Simpsons here. We continue with the chase and then we get more cycling. The dude bro complains that it's a stupid, stupid gay's bike, which is sexism and cruelty all in one. He laments that this can't be happening, this can't be happening, this can't be fucking happening. I feel the same way. I took a few days off um, to record this. This is being recorded on Thursday, the 20th of September, and this video is going up tomorrow. So this is how this particular week's worked with the bottom episode. It's, I'm very manic and uh, a bit late than usual, but this still get done. We see to some deleted footage from Paranormal Activity Goes to Mexico as Dubro cycles past a what can best be described as a Luch House Party. Not the Luch House Party, that's the fantastic stable from WWE of Callisto, Ram Metallic, and I can't remember the other, the other guy. Really good stable, great wrestling, Luch House Party, terrified live represent. Even though I don't know what names are. Anyway, the Luch House Party is for stereotypes on stereotypes who are spooked out by a helicopter. And they ask the Honourable Alberto Do Rio to fix it. I'm not sure what they expect him to fix. He's sitting down, chilling out, his HMV looking dog by his side. He just wants to listen to some music, does won't be bothered. We lose the footage in a moment reminiscent of Grindhouse in the Planet Terror section where they lose footage and then they come back and all his bone loose. In this one we find the same thing. The punchline of course is his dog has been impaled with a spatula. I'm not kidding. His dog's being impaled with a spatula. I was momentarily thrown. I did not know how to phrase that. But his dog has been impaled by a spatula. I'm sorry, I can't even. His dog's being impaled with a spatula. And murder ensues as Alberto murders everyone in vicinity. And at this point, I start to think this movie has not just jumped the shark, because I hate that expression. It's crawled under the bar so it can go below the bar of quality you even expect from VHS movie I don't know what this is meant to be accomplishing and then there's an explosion in background and I think Alberto's dead and we see the 
Dubro's missus appear on the video phone of Alberto, I think, and scream and ask for assistance. And I, I have nothing. That was definitely a segment. That was definitely a segment in VHS movie. Uh, now comes chapter... Was it chapter three? Yeah, chapter three, Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy, which starts with a character screaming pussy as loud as he can. And if that doesn't sum up the VHS mindset, I don't know what will, because it's obviously using derogatory sense. So we're starting with sexism, that's fine. And the next line of dialogue, next line of dialogue even, is why are we shooting? So immediately, sexism and metatextual context, connotations and references. Because I don't know why they're shooting and don't know what they're trying to shoot, but there you go. Followed up by a bit of homophobia, and I feel like we're hitting all the corners of VHS. We're back officially, after the last two segments, to the 1980s style of horror, which was designed to shock more than anything. Although last segment was shocking in its own way, this segment is just being straight up sleazy, which is very much more VHS. And also has a bunch of lads being lads, because that never gets old, clearly. So it feels like great hits. It's the last, technically the last seg- chapter in a VHS movie, and by which mean not the wraparound device. This seems to be a great hits of everything VHS is trying to do, because this looks like shit. And that's the point. It's meant to look like shit. That's the entire aesthetic. Literally, amateur directors with cameras shooting, GoPro cameras attached to skaters. It's meant to look cheap and sleazy and ugly. And in that regard, I mean, it, it does work. It's a bit of a step back from the first segment with the superhero CGI. I mean, there is some CGI in this one, but it's much more down to earth, so... So, there's a lot of injuries in this, and I don't know if you guys are aware, but obviously back in the day, in like, um, 2002, I remember Jackass was really big in the UK, and it was funny to watch your friends get beat up and record it. It was very amusing, like, people getting injured is always going to be intrinsically funny, but back then it really touched the cultural zeitgeist, zeitgeist weather. And so this taps into that, but it's a bit late. Like, I have to assume that this is set back then, but then some technology contradicts that, because they're talking about jackass and things like that, but kids in 2014, would they really discuss jackass that much? I mean, holding that reverence, like, it was a big thing back in the day. But now, like, I mean, you don't see... You see occasionally Jackass will come out with new stuff, like um, Jackass 3, but even that's like at least five, six years ago. So, who knows. So we get a lot of GoPro stuff, and that's totally extreme, you know, seeing people with cameras attached to them, and that sort of thing, which is, you know, novel, and if you're going to do something, you might as well try and be novel about it. Problem is, skating is inherently not... So it is inherently unsinematic. It's not visually exciting to watch. It's 
Like, when you're watching, say, the last Mission Possible movie of the extended motorbike sequences, someone riding both is not interesting on its own merits. It's only interesting as part of a structure and story and visually a constructed, well-constructed action sequence. But just to have someone on bikes, not interesting. And here is a lot of skating, and to be honest, it's not re- It's only interesting if you're in skating. It's not, you, you need to bring people in who don't know about skating, who don't care. You need to introduce them as to why they should care, and this doesn't really achieve that. But essentially, plot of this is they're paying a guy to record them doing stupid shit, but he claims he isn't to trick his employers into doing more messed up shit. Like, he wants them to keep doing this so he can get more and more footage. And I'm assuming he makes his own video on the side, but they don't really go into that. It's kind of hinted at, but not really. It's like mythology in a lot of these stories. They'll apply and imply, and in some ways that's great, but in other ways it's like, there's no character stuff because you're being so subtle about it that you're not giving us anything to latch on to unless you're doing a recap or move like this, in which case you can't hit but latch on. They, the guys paying him, the stars of video, don't seem to want to play back footage. And I've got, got to admit, if there's anything more VHS than that, I don't know what it is. Because a lot of times, it doesn't seem like they're aiming for multiple takes. It seems like they've got very much a later career Woody Allen mindset of, Kling Eastwood mindset of, one, two takes, that's it. But thing is, for Kling Eastwood... Or Woody Allen, they're one, two takes. They hire people who know exactly what they're doing, who are pros who don't need more than one, two takes. Like, you watch some of Woody Allen movies from the last decade. I can't imagine Scarlett Johansson and Jonathan Reese Myers really needing more than one, two takes in match point to do what they're doing. Like, they're trained, they're good actors. Same thing, stuff like Melinda and Melinda. Like, these are brilliant actors. You don't, they don't need to do more than one take here they probably should have done four or five but budget being what it is but on the same time it goes back to the vibe of the early VHS movies and segments where we were sleazy seems like we are coming full circle but hmm, yeah I do like the plot point of they can't afford to go to Anna but this random guy named Sam Cam I like it because it's so cheesy and Obviously, a plot contrivance. You don't need four people in this movie. You really just need the three of them versus what comes up. Because then got the tension of, will you guy recording them, save them? Does he care? Is he exploiting them? But by adding a new character, you lose that vibe. Like, it feels like this could be a full-length movie. You've got a lot of stuff to pre two on stuff stuffing two on and then going back home. You've got a structure there already. But this feels like both a really short version, really long movie, but at the same time there's not enough there. Like they don't add any text context to it really. Subtext or anything, it's all hint occasionally hinted at but not really pointed out or elaborated on. And it just feels like Sam's there for no reason, which you can say is about parts of Lord of Rings, but you'd be wrong, so. Fireworks are brought into Anna as angry rap music plays, and it feels like segment in, la- in Chapter Zero, the last part we saw, with all the Mexicans and Alberto de Rio, was to set up this to remind us, hey, you know, we go to other places other than America. 
Central America. But, I mean, it just doesn't feel particularly interesting, unfortunately. So our Renge bunch of skaters, the um, Avril Lavigne cast-off, the Avril Lavigne tribute band, come across a woman trying to promote DC Comics' Watchmen sequel, Doomsday Crisis. And so that I have to say, look, get out of here, Doc Manhattan. You, you have created this horrible universe of VHS. You've done enough. Don't start shilling DC Comics. Like, although Doomsday Crisis is Doomsday Clock even, should be called Doomsday Crisis. Doomsday Clock is out next week, the unless issue. And I'm probably going to do little parts of each review reviewing that because I love it and it's a chance to talk comic books, so why not? We get Go... I wrote here GoPro Zombie Deaths in Sue, but that's kind of an understatement. Um, the zombies emerge when... The dude Avril winds up with in the Skate Boy song and video, cuts his hand open and bleeds into a pentagram covered in dog shit. Yeah, pentagram covered in dog shit. The movie's even matter about it. They reference how that doesn't make any sense, but it's such a startling, striking image, and you can't go. I mean, it's. It's one of those things where I feel like this one in particular has a really cool mythology and they've probably a lot of work into it and it's on the edge of frame but it's so on the edge and you'll notice it if you watch this thing a few times and I don't think this chapter holds up for a few viewings to be honest. We get the classic line look, look, you unleash, you unleash our darling creature and look, we already saw this VHS one. In the second movie, VHS, the cult story, we saw the creature unmasking and all zombies. So at this point, it's like you're doing a lesser version of one you've already done. And that one's great. I mean, this is different and unique because it's really dealing with the skater action aspect. But you've already done the story perfectly. And this feels like Dimension Returns. Sam gets proper fucked. He gets dis murdered to shit. He really, really gets, you know, destroyed. Proper dead. We get... Oh, where are my notes? My thing is, I haven't done much notes for the rest of it. Because it's like, there's a lot of violence and gore. And it's kind of creative, I guess, and interesting. But not a lot happens. Like, zombies pop up, they die. Zombies pop up, they die. In different ways, granted, but it's kind of stale. And it ends, it feels like it ends halfway through the story. Because it just stops. Our heroes, you know, head off. This would be Act 2 of the movie, they, if it's a long movie. Act 1 before they get there. Act 2 when get there and they head off. And Act 3 when Monster chases them. But this one just ends. In some ways it's cool because clearly the monsters got up for them in the VHS universe and did horrible things to them. And we won't see it because that's not part of the video in question. But you won't see it. Like, that's that's interesting. You should have gone further, add enough five minutes onto it, you know? Love and then what they did. Which was, it ended with, I don't know, Sam, like, seems to turn, I think not Sam. The camera guy, whoever, seems to turn um, into a zombie. But then he's attacked by a monster. And I don't know whether the monster eats him or 
jerks off on him or what? It's pretty vague and pretty grim. We get close up for the monster. It's true, close up for the monster's eye. And that's it. That was chapter three. And I honestly, I would rather listen to Avril Veen's song. And I like the Avril Veen song. I, I like Avril Veen. I like Back in the Day. I still think she's pretty good. But I prefer horror movies. But I would still rather listen to the Avril Veen song on loop and watch that one again. Time to go back to chapter zero as Dubro sees a woman watching VHS 2 and bleeding from every possible orifice, as we've all experienced. He asks a car going by to stop, but swerve, this isn't chapter zero, this is chapter four, Eli Roth's Boogie Nights. Because driving the car, not driving car, in the car is porn director man, and... A blonde woman who he asked to strip slowly while a very creepy mulleted skeleton looking hair taxi driver screams in the front seat. I guess he doesn't have an Uber or maybe he does. The director just wants to watch. He doesn't want to touch because touching is technically committing more of a crime than recording. Although coercion. Have to be careful of that coercion porn director man. He doesn't seem to recognise the half-naked woman, but she knows him and she gets to drop on porn director man. You see, he tried to profit off revenge porn that her boyfriend sent him. Mm, You don't profit, you don't take revenge porn and pull it on your blog. That's a rookie mistake. She forces him to strip at gunpoint. Where'd she get a gun? Does it matter? No, because she has her own blog, nutlesswonders.com, and at this point, if the movie was made in 2018, you would see a hashtag at the bottom of the screen, me too. But you don't, because this was made before that movement, and also that would be really sleazy, even for VHS. So, now we get the immortal question in segment, why did she strip? And you can make point, lure the guy into a false sense of security, but she has a gun. Why she need to do that? She takes off her top, and she takes off, so she's just in her bra, and takes off her jean shorts, so she's just in her underwear. And that's now on camera. So, why did she do that? Ask a question, send on postcard, and I'll try and answer when I can. Anyway, the car swerves, and porn director starts choking her and saying, She's turned, you're turning purple, how'd you like that? I'm recording you. But you're already recording her. They're safe when Chapter Zero gets the go home signal from the referee, and the police car crashes through the windshield. And that's is the fourth and final chapter in any VHS movie. What a way you go out. What a way you go out. But we still have the end of chapter zero to come. And so we're in the home stretch with chapter zero, the finale. We get some home footage of 
Trenton Iris, I think it's fine time I get names right, in Happy Days, as ice cream music plays in background, and we see Trent, the former dude bro, on CCTV in a long pass, as incredibly creepy music and sounds play. It's a really atmospheric image, because it's stark, it's single shot, and it's one of my favourite images of the entire trilogy, because it's... Something you have seen a lot before, and it's not too flashy, but at the same time, it puts across the horror of the situation more than Fowin Chuck does, where we see it from his camera's perspective, and it's meant to be creepier, but it's not, because you... Sorry, it just feels like they sometimes lose focus of the mundane. The mundane is more interesting than their attempts to cinematically incline, you know? There's lots of mobile phones that have been discarded, lots of blood and bits of flesh and fingers and decaying hands and stuff like that. There's really operatic music plays, increasing intensity as Trent approaches OJ's ice cream truck. He races towards the la- his lady, Fair Iris, wading through what could be water, could be oil, could be piss. Who knows? Could be a fleshy combination of all three. There's no driver... In the ice cream truck, obviously OJ fled. He didn't want being a smoothing, who can blame him? Inside the back of the ice cream truck that Trent opens up, we find the VHS3 Edgerton suite. It's a nice bit of product placement there, your own product. So, a nice match, they didn't have to spend much money putting in the movie. Because they probably edited this entire movie in the back of the ice cream truck. Iris is on a screen, she asks him to upload the VHS so the VHS can go <laughs> viral if you will Trent can't Iris starts headbutting the wall saying upload upload uploading's great uploading's grand be a man and upload to get a fan she starts headbutting wall over and over again and bleeding as Trent tells her he can't upload and I have never seen a greater metaphor for a making or uploading for podcasts ever because this shit is exactly how I feel at this time for the day on a Thursday when I haven't finished the episode and this shit has to go up tomorrow morning UK time about seven o'clock why seven o'clock because I like putting up early so rest of the day I can enjoy knowing I have a day and a half off and then I got this shit all over again you know, I've got things to do. This is a great metaphor for making podcasts or make any sort of creative outlet. Anyway, Trent uploads because we always upload. You have to upload when you're doing a weekly podcast. You upload that shit even if you literally have nothing left and you really don't want to watch VHS3 anymore because you watch too much. You upload that shit. And you're throwing all DC Comics jokes you can and all Watchmen jokes and all that shit. Because you got to upload the fucking footage. And then Iris, after it's uploaded, says she's going to go viral and then headbutts the wall so many times until she disappears in a mesh of blood and gore. Minus the blood and gore, that's basically podcast. Like, you you, you make this shit and you're sort of like, I'm going to go viral, going to go viral, going to go viral. And then you wake up next morning with your phone in your mouth, feeling very confused. Luckily, unlike Iris, I don't wake up covered in blood and dead. But I do wake up, and even if I'm not chewing on my phone, the phone's nearby. Like, you know, you got to check to see if you've gone viral. I mean, like, 
Or sometimes see if you're going fucking double digits of hits. Anyway, Iris is dead. Um, Trent looks at the phone and starts getting nosebleed. And that's it. That is the end of the HS viral. And now comes the great feature. The end is epilogue. So, if you'll bear with me just one second. I need to compose my... My thoughts on VHS Viral and the trilogy as a whole? Hmm. Hard to say, really. I mean, this is by far the least of the three movies. It's not sure what it wants to be. It's not sure what it does to a satisfactory standard. It's inconsistent tonally. The segments have no... Even the loose consistency of VHS and VHS 2... VHS 2 in particular felt totally consistent even if the stories were different genres like this one doesn't at all it literally feels like it's three different stories connected by a framing device which while amusing and ties in a bit with the creative process is the least of all three and that's saying a lot because the first one in VHS with the guy Trolls was not very good. Second one was very good in VHS 2 of the Detective. This one feels like least of all three, primarily because not much happens. It would be an okay VHS story on its own merits, but as an overarching one, it only works if you get VHS 4 dealing with the viral apocalypse. But you're not going to get VHS 4. Why? Because this movie did not cement the formula of a VHS. VHS 2, great movie, really good, really set foundation. VHS Viral destroyed the foundation and did not pave anything on top of it. It was really disappointing first time I watched this movie and it was disappointing this time on the many, many watches later. But rewatch. Because you see so much potential and it doesn't work. The first story in this movie is a superhero rooted one with magic. Doesn't work. Doesn't feel like VHS story. Very good also merits the best of three stories but doesn't feel like VHS story. The second one loosely feels like VHS story. Very interesting. Very clinical. But again it's dealing with a budget beyond what VHS should be. And the third story where it goes back to VHS feel and VHS style budget is just not very good and not very interesting. They went too, I think they went too far back to what they wanted to do in VHS 2, which was less stories but more focus. But this one, there should have been more stories because the stories they told could not sustain length their time. There's only three main stories. Plus the overarching one, the technical fourth chapter, Eli Roth's Boogie Nights. It's slight, it's minor. It's like the scene where they go to the Lucha House Party. It's there and is part of the story, but at the same time, it's nothing. Like, it just doesn't feel like they really... It feels like they ran out of ideas, which is a shame. Because you would think they would send out feelers to guys like Rob Zombie or Eli Roth. Like, just give them the idea they have Death Proof, where it was your... Or Grindhouse, even. Where it was your going to make us uh, five minutes, do whatever you want, as long as it's roughly within this foundation. You've just done that. Like, just find... Uh, 
the best directors you can get and let them do whatever they want and put in a movie. That will work. This doesn't. This isn't interesting. It doesn't feel like VHS. It doesn't share connotations with the first two or the nature of the series. And it's also sad that the first one was a slow start, but it did a lot of interesting things. The second one was by far the best, a genuinely great anthology movie. And third one was a letdown. They always say the third movie is always worse. In this case, it's true. And I don't won't be nasty to these guys. I think there's a lot of imagination VHS viral. I think it's tries. I just think it needs a strong hand at will to ma- manipulate, if that makes any sense, everything together. It ties back to the the scene with the lad's house party from oh God, VHS 2, I think, which was great. Or VHS 1. Yeah, it was great because they shot an ending where you'll survive and they re and they reshot it and they used the actual dark ending because they knew what they were doing. They knew you could go this way, but you should go this way. And I think that's probably VHS viral. And I think overall I enjoyed watching these movies. I feel like I could do a much longer retrospective, but that's not the time here. It's not the time place to do it here. But I would recommend going back and watching these because it's an interesting experience watching them back to back and realising that it's not quite what you remember. And as for VHS 4, I feel like there's mileage in it, but they would need to go back to the start. And I think the relative lack of success of this one is symbolic of it. But who knows, they could maybe have a word with fine people at Shudder and maybe we'll get VHS 4, which feels more like VHS 2. I would personally love that. And if you want it on Shudder, I recommend you start petitions. See where it goes. Anyway, I am about to tune out. I will be recording episode one times 1.05 on Sunday and it will be a recap of the particular favourite of mine, the movie called Teeth. As for now, I will celebrate milestone of five episodes of podcasts done and dusted. That's milestone one. Milestone two is coming and believe me, there's lots of announcements coming from here. There'll be more bottle episodes and there'll be even bigger stuff coming in the future. I particularly have something that I plan to put up on Halloween that I think is going to get a lot of attention and start the buzz that lights the fire generates the spark that fuels the Friday night show of the podcast or maybe it won't who knows anyway until next time remember life is beautiful